Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time, it's time for the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's better than this? Your hosts, the Draft Dudes themselves and co-founders of the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Guys being dudes on the Draft Dudes Podcast. And it starts now. Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. We're your host, Chris Schubert's here floating around producing this thing. We're from the Draft Network, and we are brought to you by Bet Online, your number one spot for all your sports wagering information. They've got it all over there. The latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends. They are your continued source for live betting, free contests, and of course, giveaways all season long. Super easy to navigate website. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just make sure you use our promo code BLEAVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. It's BetOnline, and it's where the game starts. Kyle, happy National Hard Candy Day to you. Favorite kind of hard candy. I can't... <clears throat> It's not peppermint. I could say that with a great deal of confidence that Joe Marino's favorite hard candy is not peppermint. Um, I think I'm a big fan of Jolly Ranchers. Uh, I say that I'm a big fan. I don't know that I've had one in the last, since I was in middle school. Uh, used to be a but big. But that one stuck with you, yeah, clearly. Yeah, they're good. Cream Savers, do you remember those? Those were good. What? Cream what? Savers, man. They had orange in the strawberry. Those were very Never good. heard of them. Uh, oh, I think are they like swirled? They're swirled yeah, like yeah, peppermints, yeah. but yeah, th- those are good. Yeah. Okay, I used to be like that's a little off the reservation, but I, I appreciate it. Middle school man, I was uh, big on that stuff, but I I got to be honest with you, I, I, hard candy's not really on the menu for me these days. What about the butterscotch ones? That's hard, hard pass. The, with the gold foil wrapper, yeah, those I, I that was it for me. You like those? No, my grandfather used to have them at his house all the time. So anytime I see him, it makes me think of when I would go on my my yeah. week long summer trips with my grandfather's and suck on some butterscotch hard candies by the dozens and come back all plumped up because I just had sugar nonstop. I'm I'm a sweet tarts guy for the record, just so I'm on record for the hard, hard candy, candy day. Yeah, Joe, that classifies as a as a hard candy. Uh, sweet tarts are. Depends on the variety. You can get the, the the like the chewy or the gummy ones, but no, I'm talking traditional in the long roll, the bigger, thicker ones. Sweet tarts, yeah, those are hard candies. Right. Hear me out, and this is last last word that I have on this subject. But what about like way too old Starbursts? <laughs> They're not designed to be a hard I'll, candy, but I'll count them. Like, I'll yeah, allow right. I'll allow it. Are you they ever like open the... one up and like the paper is so? Like stuck, melded yeah, into yeah, it's it, stuck, yeah. It sticks to the actual <laughs> yes uh, Starburst, and you're like, ah, screw it, and you just eat it anyway. The yeah, indentation of, of the paper is still in the Starburst, and like you would have to get like a diamond pickaxe to shave it out to get it smooth again. But you're still, you know what? It's like no, man. Like uh, I, I'm never gonna pass up on a pink Starburst. So. If I got one, I don't care if it's two years old. It, it's going down the hatch. <laughs> Favorite hard candy. Are they are are non uh, stale Starburst considered a gummy? Right. I think that's the world that they live in uh, in terms of more, class. More of a chewy Probably. style candy, right? Like what are those? Like those a taffy. High, it's a taffy. Sure. What are those? The high fives, right? What's that? What? I I forget the name of. They're they're also like a like um there's laffy taffy there's now and later's right those are I think are all in that same yeah mambas uh, family. What's mambas? the the um the things that Kamara likes the air or somethings airheads 
Airheads. Oh, airheads are those, solid. Yeah, those like are those. more of a yeah. taffy. Now, you have a now quarter runts, and you can get one at a concession stand. You know what I mean? Runts <laughs> are more of a hard candy. They are the definition of a hard candy. And runts are good. Yeah. Tough. Like, tough, like. Because like they're, they're, they're a hard you, candy. Do you, you throw down with them or? Not a fan. All right. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. It is uh, a Monday here on Draft Dudes, which means. We have our dudes of the week to declare, and we got a mock draft courtesy of Brentley Weissman that I have not seen yet. Looking forward to digging into that here on the podcast. So, can I get an official's timeout, like okay. on the air? Um, you, you, have, you have two remaining. That's fine. Big update on the draft dudes run your pool. I don't know if you guys have, have seen the updates here, but this yeah, we I'm have not over doing two- well. We had over 200 entries. Like, really, really good turnout. So, there's been nine games picked. And shout out to, they call me Cav, Ben Bruns, Biggest Johnson. I see what you did there. You think you're clever. Uh, Cole Reese. (laughs) What do you mean? He absolutely is clever. (laughs) Croc 22. And Zony Q, which I believe is actually my wife's father so my father-in-law's friend ron joe you've met ron yeah he's the, I have the bald ron. guy yeah i like ron. Yeah. He, I like ron. he, he yeah, does the feels, barbecue yeah, yeah this feels like a scheme in order for kyle to win he put in another it, entry with it's somebody not else because i am at seven and two so i'm tied for seventh but those six people are eight and one through the first nine bowls what am i at um and i see bill Rossetti and is in here at seven and two as well uh, so Joe Marino is six and three. You are uh, tied job, for thirty second with a whole lot of people. Mm. And Chris, you are one game behind Joe. A lot of ball game left. A lot, a lot of ball. It's not how you start; left. it's how you finish. And my underdog oh, picks really start to heat up here as the season moves along. You're, so. you're tied Same for with me. The sports page as well, for the record. The sports page. The Chris is tied with the sports page. Mm. All right. Well. This will be fun to monitor as the Correct. weeks move along here. Correct. All right, here we go. Dudes of the week. I have three, kind of. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah, you know me. I gotta, I gotta stretch it a little bit. Okay, okay, that's fine. Why don't you lead us off with a dude then? All right. We had to include Southern. Miss running back Frank Gore Jr. Man, yeah. 21 rushes, 329 yards. You heard that correctly. 21 rushes, 329 yards, two touchdowns rushing. That's 15.4 yards per attempt, eight yards after contact per rush in Southern Miss's 38-24 Lending Tree Bowl win over Rice. Of course, that is an NCAA bowl game record. Cameron Peoples didn't get to enjoy that record for too long, did he, man? (laughs) Frank Gore said, I'm going to go ahead and one-up you here in this bowl season. He was also two of three throwing the football for 19 yards and had the 18-yard touchdown pass as well. And so, uh, I mean, just a historic day for Frank Gore Jr. And I had had to include him this week on my dudes. So... Obviously, people will hear the name Gore, and I think it's very important for us to clarify that, yes, <laughs> that is, if you feel old, you should, because that is, we were really close to the Gores playing in the NFL together. Right. It, it, well, we were very close, but I mean, at some point, at some point, the NFL had to move on from Frank Gore Sr., right? Like, you just we can't do it. My my guy was was gonna run the gauntlet there and just do a new team every year. <laughs> Ran out of <laughs> rush uh, for five hundred and fifty yards. Yeah, he was he he was on the Emmett Smith plane at the end of Emmett's career, right? Which is funny because Emmett Smith's son is at Stanford. Oh Lord, don't tell me that. Yeah, this is this is real stuff, man. We got Joey Porter Jr. We have Patrick Sertain, obviously in the league. What is it? A Rodney Gatson's son is a tight end over at. Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse. Jason Taylor's sons at LSU. Yeah. Right? I mean. Sertain's already in the league. Dude. Yeah, it's. Have mercy. Antoine Winfield's (laughs) been in the league for like multiple years. Right. 
right? Yeah, it's it's not good for you thirty uh, somethings. I'll say yeah, that. Yeah, we're we're, you we're a lot of familiar it. faces, familiar names, uh, but new faces. Okay, I got a dude. All right. This guy has been one of the more <sighs> underwhelming performers for his respective team this year. Ooh, this but, is fun. But this player came up with the play of the game this weekend. I'm, of course, talking about Chandler Jones <laughs> of the Las Vegas <laughs> Raiders. Um, the Raiders went into halftime of this football game. This is going to, we're going to go down the rabbit hole a little bit here, but the Raiders went into halftime and they were up 17 to three, correct? That's exactly right. The Patriots come out like gangbusters in the second half and score 21 unanswered points to take a 24 to 17 lead. And then the Raiders had multiple possessions in the final five minutes of the game where they like very quickly did nothing with the ball, right? Like the Raiders had one, two, three possessions in the final six minutes of the game. And one of those went 14 yards was two Oh five. And they give the ball back. The Patriots score touchdown. Then they go five plays, 31 seconds. Get the ball, or they punt the ball back. New England punts. They go 10 plays, 81 yards, uh, and they were down to 4th and 10 on their own 19 on that game-tying play. And then, of course, if you haven't seen the highlight already, uh, final play of regulation, they're tied. The Patriots run the ball. They're tied. They're tied. They're we tied. Can't, we can't state this enough. They're tied. They were, ti- they were tied. They're tied. Ramondre Stevenson rips off 25 yards and flips it back to Jacoby. It was Jacoby Myers, right? I want to make yeah. sure I get the person right here. <laughs> this is in a tie ball game. In an all-timer. Who turns around and Hail Mary's 20 yards back, back behind the line of scrimmage, and it's intercepted by Chandler Jones, who simply... What's the analogy I want to use here? He, he mixed the Derrick Henry stiff arm on Josh Norman with the Allen Iverson stepover of Tyron Lue in the finals in 2001 on the same motion and then runs into the end zone to break a tie, tie. On a backwards lateral on the final play of the game in regulation. And the Raiders, by the way, scored 13 points in the final two minutes and one second of the game when it was all said and done. I'm literally watching the play for the 4,000th time. Where, where do you think Jacoby Myers was going with this ball? Was he trying to throw it to Mac, you think? Was that it's, the intent here? I think maybe he thought it was NFL blitz, and if you threw it back to him, Mac could then throw it down the field again. Because there was no – I mean, there's nobody behind him. You guys I, ever play that game, NFL blitz? That was well, not and, 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 and There's nothing that could have gone right there because unless he completes the pass to Mac Jones, it's a live ball. Chris, you have something you want to chime in here. Well, I've seen I, the microphone just, pop up. Go ahead. I just want to make sure we know the the, the what was they the score tied. when this happened. Yeah, I just uh, wanted yeah, to was, make they, sure that 24-24. We, we were going to go now, to overtime. Now, did Jacoby Myers – this probably is not true. Was Jacoby Myers playing with Chandler Jones when he was in New England all those no, years ago? Maybe no did he chance. think he was on his team? Okay, yeah, no so they, don't, they didn't cross paths. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, just want to make sure. I'm trying to rule out everything here, Joe. Just trying to rule what, everything so, out. Do you think there's a world where Belichick – said, hey, we really want to kind of put it all in on this play and, like, let's fumble Ruski this thing around and try to end it right here. I can't no. – I, I, we're recording this, like, literally minutes after this happened. Wait, now, wait a minute, guys. Wait a minute, guys. One of their co-offensive coordinators is a special, special teams, teams coach, and he, and he knows how to run this play. So this might have been by design. This might have been the way they drew it up, just didn't – not a good result. That was the observation that I had. I said, you would have thought with an offense – run by a special teams coordinator calling plays, they'd have been better prepared for a punt return type play on the last play <laughs> from the game. What is, what's Bill going to say after this game? What's he going to uh, say? About well, have you to know, be better. have to be better. We, uh, we just didn't execute out there. Ultimately, they, they, 
Yeah, right. He's not wrong. Yeah, we didn't execute the the normal get tackled and go to overtime. We didn't execute that. Unfreaking real. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on, because we're down this rabbit hole now, and I'm doing the digging, and everyone knows we record this right after th- these games. Jacoby Myers said post game that it was on him that he was just trying to be a hero that that was not like that was not part of the play. But somebody, the the lovely people over on Reddit, have brought out a very interesting thing. After the first lateral, Matt Patricia can apparently be seen clapping on the sidelines as if like that was what they were trying to do. So I don't know what's going on. Here. Yeah, maybe the first lateral. Hooking like whatever, that's fine. The, the the Jacoby Myers one's the one that's egregious. I so I did it. I did one of my holiday gift exchanges on Sunday, and I was in the car for two hours driving home. And we had Sirius XM radio and had all the games on, right? So you're listening to this unfold, and I got out of the car. When the Raiders punted the ball back down seven, I'm like, well, that's dumb that, you know, they they (laughs) blew another 10 point plus second half lead, just like the Raiders. And we're in this mad dash to get my daughter into the bathtub and get bedtime set up because we we had left at like nine in the morning on Sunday. So I was gone all day, but we had football on during the day. And then I was listening to the radio on the way back. And I finish. And I pull out my phone and I put on YouTube TV and I'm walking down the stairs to get up to set up to do the podcast. And it's I, I pulled up uh, NFL Network for NFL Game Day, and it was right when they came back from commercial break, right when the play had just happened. And I was like, "What the f just happened?" So then you go down the rabbit hole and you you kind of find the abbreviated summary, and it was this is this is quintessential non Bill Belichick. Right. Situational awareness. Situational football, game management, not being super dumb. (laughs) Quintessential anti Bill Belichick is surreal, very surreal. Uh, My next dude, and this is my uh, asterisk, you know, situation, but. The Minnesota Vikings. They, yeah, greatest <laughs> greatest comeback in the history of the NFL. They did it. They did it. They, they were down 35. Uh, so, 33, 33 to nothing. This isn't a new thing, but I just think the three of us should, should touch on it. Matt Ryan's probably had a Hall of Fame career, and this dude's just going to be known for the biggest Super Bowl collapse in history and the biggest regular season collapse in history. How That's what he's going to be known for. Yeah, you're not wrong. In but how about the things that Kirk Cousins is going to be known for? This and the my the uh, Minneapolis, Minneapolis miracle. miracle? No, no, folks. Oh, that was Minneapolis. Case oh, that was Case Keenum is the quarterback on that. Oh, Dollar in the jar, disrespecting my own QB too. No, yeah, now, don't do that. It was Case Keenum <laughs> who made that throw? Don't do that. Um, when are we gonna stop clowning Kirk? I mean, I've been done for a while, but. People still want to talk about one o'clock and all that. The the general we, right? Like, and and yeah, he's not an outside of structure quarterback. And yeah, he's super goofy and corny with the, you like that and the gold chains and the always been ripped up or whatever he said on McAfee when they were asking about his, his six pack. And, (laughs) but again, just, I understand he's playing with Dalvin cook and Justin Jefferson and now he's got TJ Hawkinson, but Statistically speaking, Kirk's had like a really nice stretch during his time in Minnesota. And they got a chance to put it together here and make some noise. There's 20 teams out there that would love to have Kirk Cousins as a quarterback. 20. I mean, (laughs) and I'll tell you, I mean, I, he's played well this year and he's played clutch and he's done a lot of things that people said he couldn't do. And, I mean, just as this ball game, I mean, K.J. Osborne was unbelievable. Justin Jefferson was phenomenal in this game. Obviously, big, big moments, right, just with turnovers and special teams plays. But, I mean, you got to give them their flowers, man. That's a special thing that happened. Um, Does it say more about, and I, I know it doesn't matter, but I know this was the debate 
on social media afterwards. Does it say more about the Colts or more about the Vikings? I, I don't say I don't say that to yeah. take away from what Minnesota did, but just the general. I I think it says more about the Vikings, just because they've I, done they've done this. Yeah, all year. it's an exclamation point on an entire season of like improbability. And I know that there's like, you can ask yourself a lot of questions about sustainability and like when rubber meets the road in the playoffs, can they get by? Any one of Dallas, Philly, or San Francisco. Oh, Dallas keeps playing the way they've been playing. Well, they seem to do pretty good with Minnesota when they when they got together a few <laughs> weeks ago. Um, you know, I, I think there's some questions there, but this has happened enough times this year where you're like, until there's all zeros across the board and you have more points than them, they ain't out. Kirk Cousins, more wins this season as a starting quarterback than any year of his career to this point. And they got three games left to play. They go at Packers. No, Giants at Packers at Bears. They're winning at least two. I think so. That'll be a 13-win ball ball club. You can try to diminish their accomplishments all you want. They won 13 games. It's a little bit like Dick Duran. Uh What was that year with the Bears? He was the coach of the year. He went 13-3. Oh, and three. It's just like, yeah. It's just like, my God, you knew, you knew that you know, right, the, the year over year sustainability yeah. is a major question mark, but it doesn't have to be right now. It just no. it just has to be sustainable for the next two months. Correct. And and this team's going to add to it. Right. And they're going to get Lewis seen back. Not that we're doing the Levy Grail. We won't do the Levy Grail in Minnesota, but they're going to have some nice opportunities to keep adding to this football team. Um, and grow in year two under Kevin O'Connell. So you have to love, regardless of what happens the rest of the way here, you have to love what what they have moving forward. They're in good shape. I'm glad that you... Uh, doesn't feel like they're stuck anymore, you know? Like they were stuck for so long. Right, it was kind of like, like you said, like glass ceiling type thing, right? And the glass ceiling with Zimmer was super frustrating. And um, All right, you ready for my next one? My next dude is a player who's been quiet this season, at least until the last couple of weeks, and and that's been in large part uh, due to some injuries that he's been working to get himself back from. But how about the dynamic that Mike Williams of the Chargers brings to the offense for Los Angeles? He does. Now... Getting a chance to to you know get caught up on all the games that were taking place and seeing Mike Williams make the critical play along the sideline to set the Chargers up to kick the game winning field goal, seeing Mike Williams catch a touchdown pass against the Dolphins on Sunday Night Football last week, but then also uh, the reception that he made against Xavier Howard with the ball skills and adjustment on the sideline. The Chargers, the rest of the way, they've got the Rams. I know they have the Rams. Um, They have the Colts. And the Broncos. And the Broncos. What are the chances that this Chargers team, oh, by the way, Joey Bosa and Rayshon Slater may not, we may see them before it's all said and done. Wow. What are the chances that this Chargers team becomes the team that nobody wants to play, especially when you reflect on already what Mike Williams has allowed this Chargers team to start doing um, that they've largely struggled with doing for the majority of the season when they've dealt with so many injuries? I mean, I can tell you how I felt last year when – they were relieved, that. relieved they didn't get in, right? Yeah, because I, I last year I'm sitting there. Okay, the Bills got it locked up. It's either going to be the Patriots or the Chargers. If the if the Chargers beat the Raiders, it's Chargers. And I'm sitting there watching the Chargers, and I'm like, I I don't want to deal with that guy. I don't want to deal with him. And I was I was like, okay, Patriots again, fine. But yeah, dude, they're dangerous. And Brandon Staley, I know he's kind of goofy at times, but he can coach defense. And if their weapons are healthy, man, they're they're a tough they're a tough football team. 
So uh, give some flowers to to Mike Williams for a couple of big plays and big moments the last couple of weeks coming back from the ankle injury that that's largely derailed um, his season as a player who's who's very deserving of the the second contract that he got with the Chargers and um, that's going to be a tough out you know and and you certainly hope if you are the Titans and you end up winning the AFC South, which is not a guarantee right now because don't look now, but I believe the Jacksonville Jaguars are a game behind the Titans and they play head-to-head again this season. Uh, That's exactly right. Uh, The Jaguars are very much alive. Very much alive. If I'm the Titans and I do win the South, you know what I don't want to do? Be the four seed and have to play the Chargers again. Who nobody's gonna? I mean, I don't know. I think this this AFC playoff field is going to be really competitive. Well, so is the NFC too, and and we don't know because as of this the time of this recording, we we are recording ahead of the a- NFC East showcase. But you no, know, they're 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 all coming down to the wire. But I I get the sentiment that you're saying where yeah. I think if you look at one through eight or nine on the AFC side of things and the quality of the teams probably surpasses by a comfortable margin, the one through nine on the NFC side of things. I, well, yeah. And I, I think I appreciate what you're saying there about just the competitiveness of the playoffs that are coming. We just watched the Texans without, I mean, their six best starters take, right. take KC the to overtime. overtime. They needed a turnover after, to win that game after the, the Cowboys the previous week, miracle right. survival. I thought about having Lovey Smith as a dude this week. Jacksonville beat Dallas. I mean, this is this is a get in the damn tournament, man. It's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. Um, I guess segue to my last dude here. Uh, speaking of how the tournament could be weird, I got to do it. I got to give some love to Brock Purdy here. Uh, three wins in a row for this 49ers team. Yeah, it's a good call. Uh, they, they've extended their win streak to seven games. Uh, they go and beat Seattle on the road, short week division game. And Brock Purdy's just playing winning football. He's not costing this 49ers team. The season wasn't derailed after their second quarterback is gone for, you know, a significant amount of time. And so, you know, I think you give a lot of credit to Kyle Shanahan and, and the way they've been able to coach and put it together defensively, obviously they're, phenomenal but for Brock Purdy to step in in these moments and play winning football like he has when nobody expects anything of him you know I barely thought he was a rosterable NFL player he's going out here and and making it happen so here's your uh here's your big bouquet Brock Purdy you deserve it and um very improbable keep riding it for as long as you can that was going to be my question how long does the ride last? This, who knows? The week one starter for the San Francisco 49ers next year is black. Ah, <laughs> that's the kind of crap I usually do to you. Do not appreciate being right? in this well, Sucks to suck. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's, I mean, you could do this. You can do this. I don't know. You got me twisted Tell up, me- man. Tell me you don't listen to the TD and Daily podcast without telling me you don't listen to the TD oh, and no. Daily podcast. Because this is exactly what I talked about on Friday. Because Kyle Shanahan afterwards, the comments of, this is the most poised rookie I've ever coached, I thought were, was, were comments that are going to come back in the offseason when we do this whole thing over again with the 49ers, where we debate who the quarterback is going to be. And if Brock continues to play well, and he's not the direct reason why they lose, he deserves every opportunity in training camp to win that job. With Trey Lance? With Trey Lance. That'll be the – you go to camp, battle it out, boys. Here you go. And don't you have to have some level of confidence that that's okay if you're San Francisco? If so, Because you've been able to get production out of any quarterback that steps in. Let me paint a picture for you, Joe. Right now, the 49ers are going to host a home playoff game. If they win that home playoff game, right, and they lose a close game in the second round, Brock Purdy would have done everything the San Francisco 49ers have asked of him and won a playoff game. He has every right to be the quote-unquote incumbent next year at camp with what he did in the regular season 
and then winning a playoff game. Does this feel a little bit like the the Cooper Rush conversation that we had with the Cowboys? No, because Trey Lance is not Dak Prescott. Okay, but is is Brock Pur- We're sure Brock Purdy's not Cooper Rush. No, we're here not, I am. I did but... all this nice stuff, and here I am, right back in my own. Uh, position of here's your big bouquet of flowers. Let me slander you all while at it. (laughs) Hopefully, you forgot to water them and they're dead. I mean, come on. (laughs) (laughs) And I took some crap on social media. Like, what did somebody somebody tag me on Twitter? They're like, uh, so I wonder what Joe's gonna say about Brock Purdy this week. Well, here I am doing the right thing, and and Chris baits me into slander. Speaking of you to slander, I just believe that Brock Purdy, if, with the way he's playing, should probably be the, the incumbent next year. I just here's the thing about it, man. He wasn't that good at Iowa State. Okay, all right, Joe, do this. Give me, give me a mini big board: Brock Purdy, Nick Mullins, C.J. Beathard. Nick I Mullins, feel- <laughs> Brock Purdy. There's. There are no iterations of the multiverse in which C.J. Beathard is not the bottom of those three Don't, guys. I'm sorry. Wait, can, can you introduce <laughs> Duck Hodges into the... Uh, no, because he... No, I cannot. No, I cannot. Yeah, what a wild stretch that was, huh? ta- We get this crap from time to time, man. Uh, so so what, what does Brock have that gives him a chance to not just be the latest name in that line? How do you... Right. Well, I'm asking you. Do, I do don't you, know. I don't know. You got to rattle him. I don't know, man. Like I'll, I'll give you one thing. Opportunity. Because Jimmy's an expiring contract, right? You think about Duck Hodges. Well, it was Ben Roethlisberger. Was hurt. You think about Beathard and Mullins. They were all Jimmy G was there. They paid Jimmy G. But now the Jimmy G contract is up. So that's the opportunity. I think that he has a chance to kind of wedge himself in there. And not let go. Now, I will say this. If I'm San Francisco, the performance of Brock Purdy gives me a lot greater peace of mind going into the offseason. If I want to run it back with Trey and maybe bring in a mid-tier guy but not swing for the fences for Tom Brady or whatever else, like, I think you can have a really competitive room and Jimmy's going to get paid by somebody, right? Oh. Why, though? Because we have a quarterback scarcity in the NFL. Andy Dalton's been a primary starter all season I long. I know. I should. I could answer my own question. Look at yeah, the guys I don't know why you did quarterback that. this week. It's going to happen. So there you go. I will say San Francisco is playing with fire. If they go into next year with Purdy and Lance as the as the competition and they give it to Trey the moment he struggles those it's going to get loud it's going to get loud for Brock to be starting it's it's going to get a little bit like zappy mania with Mac right i mean we we saw that manifest itself in year 2 for the guy who didn't Mac win offensive like no he didn't win offensive rookie of the year but he made the pro bowl excuse I, Zap- pro bowl quarterback mac pro jones pro bowl quarterback mac jones zappy would have made away a, from him zappy would have made a play on that backwards lateral zappy a million percent mm. would have caught it with one hand odell beckham style and then ran it for a touchdown like not that mac mac jones needs to catch strays but he also does need to catch strays right now he sucked in that game 13 to 31 for 112 yards Against that defense, capped by getting stiffed armed to oblivion. To, I mean, not that I expected him to tackle Chandler Jones, but I, I'd say anything. But I just watched what Tua Tungabaloa looked like against the Chargers on Sunday Night Football the week prior, when he was like thirteen of thirty. So I'm not going to say a single word about Mac not played well. Well, there's also okay. I'm not doing this, but I'm also gonna I'm also gonna bow out of this conversation. <laughs> I'm not doing. This. <laughs> Um, Trevor Lawrence has to be a dude, right? I dude, I thought the game was over when he fumbled at the end. There, kind of like put the ball out and fumbled. I don't know how Dallas didn't close that out, but he, dude, I hear you, man. He's been awesome. He is here. This was the player that we had the con- the anticipation that we were going to see. And I know there's been a lot of Trevor Lawrence flowers as of late on this podcast, but my goodness, I don't know how you don't watch 
the maturing player that Trevor Lawrence has become over the back half of this season. If you're a Jacksonville fan, you're over the moon. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine the the we've righted the ship, we stripped ourselves of all the uh, Urban Meyer bad culture stuff and and Doug Peterson throughout the course of this year instilling culture. This team's getting competitive. They're winning football games. They're in a divisional playoff race. They're going to be playing for a statistically significant game on Christmas Eve. The Jaguars? Are they're, you kidding so, me? Check this out. They're, they're they're Thursday this week. They they they're oh, at the me, Jets Thursday. At the Jets on Thursday, and then you're at Houston, and you close with Tennessee, who you've already beaten. And I understand the Titans have historically had a lot of success right, against yeesh. Jacksonville, but last time they played, that's thirty six to twenty two. That yeah, game on that game on January eighth is probably for the division. You're going to host a playoff game. You're you're going to be picking twelve. And I hate that I'm going to say this out loud, but is that the most, if you look at the NFL schedule for week 18, is that the most likely Sunday night football game? Because it is going to exist in a vacuum with a win and in scenario, potentially. I don't think I've familiarized myself enough with the possibilities, um, but it feels like it. Do we do Sunday night football in, in the last week? I know there's all kinds of weird things that happened. Yeah, remember, because remember, we had the Chargers Raiders game that, that the NFL the game decided. Last year. They, the NFL on purpose decided to flex that game, knowing that there was a scenario in which a tie would have let both teams in, and then the shenanigans of Sunday night football happened. Yes. You can have Baltimore and Cincinnati. That could be for the North. That's week 18. That's for Baltimore, a division. Baltimore doesn't. Yeah, Chris, I think that you were, you were not on the same page. They're, they're both playoff teams it's probably just a matter of seeding and division title well, baltimore, baltimore at nine and five and they, they play just need one atlanta more atlanta and they pittsburgh need, yeah. the next two they weeks. just need one of those and they're in there is a scenario where jets dolphins is is going to be for one of the spots there is a scenario where that's the case where that probably could be so. for the last spot yeah. so I don't Jet, expect us to get there, but it is a possibility. Jets have Jaguars and Seahawks, right? Yeah, they'll they'll take care of business for us on Thursday and, and make us not have to sweat this over the next two weeks. So don't worry about it. He didn't he didn't mean that favorably. Correct. Yeah. All right. We uh are we we good here? We got all three in for each of us. I have the mock correct. draft pulled up, so I'm ready when you gentlemen are. I am. I've prepared. seen seen nothing of the mock okay. draft at this point in time. Very exciting. Same. We'll do in. it the way we we'll do it the way we've done it the last couple of weeks, where I will read you five picks at a time. You guys stop and talk about whatever you want, and then we continue to move on. So Brentley Wiseman, version four which means two rounds. Round two coming later in the week. Houston at number one, Bryce Young, quarterback out of Alabama. The Chicago Bears at number two, Jalen Carter, interior defensive lineman from Georgia. The Seahawks at number three, Will Anderson, edge at Alabama. The Arizona Cardinals at number four, Paris Johnson Jr., offensive tackle, Ohio State. And the Detroit Lions at number five, Will Levis, quarterback, Kentucky. Mm. I like those first three picks. Um, kind of cooling on the Detroit quarterback thing, aren't you? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I find myself there, too. If you love them, then pull the trigger, right? But I don't know that I don't think the Lions are in the spot right now where they have to get a quarterback. And so it's just going to come down to their appetite for them. What the uh the, the Paris Johnson pick, well, that was for the Cardinals. Arizona. Yeah. Uh, it just feels like a dud pick to me. Uh, Paris Johnson probably going to be a good good player in the NFL. I just I, and maybe it's just my outlook on Arizona, and we'll 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 get into them. They're they're Levy Grail eligible this week, so we'll we'll talk about them at some point. But I have a hard time finding optimism there, and feeling like okay, if we get Paris Johnson, this is going to like really help us get over the hump. But I I agree with you, and I, I'm not crazy about the Paris Johnson pick in general. But there's no one player that exists that's going to do know. that for Arizona. Especially when you're looking at, like, when does Kyler play? Trade the pick. The Cardinals are quintessential trade out of that spot. You might not have your quarterback for the first six weeks. I'm just guessing of the year. Trade out of yeah. that spot. Acquire take, draft capital. Take advantage of the fact that you're kind of in that 
you're the low man on the available picks that's not drafting a quarterback, right? So you're the cheapest team to flirt with. And you've seen teams in the past like San Francisco who will go up as high as they can and slam the door shut and leave no opportunity. But at the same time, I think especially in a class like this, I don't know, man. It, it's I don't envy, and I'm surprised to hear Arizona's that high. I know it's bad, and I know it's going to continue to get worse for Arizona down the stretch, right? But it, I mean, Trace McSorley came in and had to play against Denver. They're spiraling through two picks and 15 attempts, yeah. man. So, so Kyle, they're four and ten, and so is Denver. But Denver, um, Just Denver won. beat them. So, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but the draft order doesn't account for head-to-head i think it's the strength of schedule and the tiebreakers with yeah. strength of record so yeah yeah so it puts denver in front of them for the moment the next five picks uh the indianapolis colts at number six take cj stroud quarterback out of ohio state the atlanta falcons at seven take miles murphy edge from clemson the carolina panthers at number eight take anthony richardson quarterback from florida the philadelphia eagles at number nine take tyree wilson edge out of texas tech and at number 10 the green bay packers select michael mayer tight end notre dame this last two are awesome picks you think the packers would pick them predictably no but if they were to pick a pass catcher, it would absolutely be a tight end versus a wide receiver, right? Guys going to help our run game. Yeah, I feel like I've I feel like I've like romanticized about a tight end for Aaron Rodgers for like a hundred years. Pro Bowl tight end Robert Tunyon. Yeah, I don't say I, it. I know, I know, big Bob Tunyon. Tyree Wilson, obviously, to the Eagles is a phenomenal selection. Slam that that can't happen. Yeah, that, stop that, it at all costs. Correct. Very reasonable stretch in my mind there. The next five, the Las Vegas Raiders at number 11, Peter Skaronsky, offensive tackle from Northwestern, the Jacksonville Jaguars at 12, Christian Gonzalez, cornerback from Oregon, the Houston Texans at 13, Quinton Johnston, wide receiver, TCU, the Pittsburgh Steelers at 14, Joey Porter Jr., corner from Penn State, and at 15, the Seattle Seahawks take Brian Brzee, interior defensive lineman from Clemson. It's not that I don't think Christian Gonzalez is worth the 12th pick for Jacksonville. I just feel like with Tyson Campbell playing really well this year. Yeah, Griffin. Griffin. Yeah. I mean, I just I don't I don't I don't know if he's the best player available and that's just what you want to do. Like, cool. I get Co- it. There are a couple other positions, like if you're drafting for need, I'm with you. I think there's yeah. a couple other opportunities, be that at wide receiver or there there's not really it's a bummer Skaronsky, I believe, came off the board a pick in front, because that'd be a really good you got like the Walker Little. Yeah, well, I know Walker Little played today against Dallas. So that's going to be some tape I'm interested in seeing. Oh, all right. So you're going to do them this week? I'm pretty sure they're on my list. Yeah. 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 Okay. The next five the Patriots at 16 take Jordan Addison, wide receiver out of USC. At 17, the New York Jets take Broderick Jones, offensive tackle from Georgia. The Detroit Lions at 18 take Keely Ringo, corner from Georgia. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 19 take Clark Phillips, corner from Utah. And at 20, the Tennessee Titans take Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver from Ohio State. So who took Jackson Smith and Jigba at 20? Tennessee. Tennessee Titans. Okay. Um, Can you think of a a less – I guess if you're going to make some coaching staff changes, I can see this – but can you think of a less archetype fit for what this team has historically gone after than Clark Phillips and corner for yeah. Tampa Bay with yeah. the Murphy Buntings and the Jamil Deans and the Carl Charlton Davises, Carlton Davises of the world. Like they, they love six, two and long yeah. as hell. Right. Yeah. It's the opposite. Clark Phillips. Good player. Yeah, he is. But if Todd Bowles is still going to have an influence on that defense, I have to imagine that that would be a big time tendency breaker. And Ringo, I mean, to the Lions, I get it. He's he's certainly good range for him. But I kind of the more I watch Detroit, the less concerned I get about corner. But good player. Their biggest their biggest need in the secondary was Phil when they made the uh, DBs coach change, right? Well, yeah. I mean, Jerry Jacobs has played well. Will Harris has played well. Kuda's been playing well. 
Kirby Joseph at safety. I mean, yeah, that, that it's been a different team since that happened, honestly. At 21, the Los Angeles Chargers take Jared Verse, edge from Florida State. Pick number 22 of the Miami Dolphins is forfeited. Pick 23 for the New York Giants, oh, Trenton Simpson, didn't have linebacker from Clemson. At 24, the Washington Commanders select Cam Smith, corner from like South that. Carolina. At 25, the Baltimore Ravens take B. John Robinson, running back from Texas. <laughs> is that the five? Those are the five, yes. Oh. Well, it's technically the four. Sorry. You didn't have to do that, Chris. I didn't have to, but it's written here on the order, so I figured yeah, I would you, do it. Yeah, you cut me deep. Hey, cut listen, me I'm deep. being petty. You you know the kind of mood I'm in, so pettiness is going to be my brand today. I didn't do anything. Yeah, it's fine. Everybody, I did everybody, nothing. No, I know you didn't, but I'll take a shot when I have an opportunity to. Her people can't love anybody, you know? All right, can we talk about these picks? Cam Smith, I love that for the commanders. Absolutely love that. How about um, Verse to the Chargers was a surprising one. And you know Brentley's calculated on those Chargers picks now. Right, right. You got to figure a guy who used to work for the Chargers kind of knows the needs of the team a little bit. I think that's an interesting fit. Yeah. Bijan to Baltimore, man. It's getting legs, ain't it? <laughs> you were the first person I I, I think I saw legs. do it. Kind of can't get it out of my head, you know? Yeah. Got to have it. Put Lamar on the franchise tag. Bring him back. Let's pound the rock 500 times next year. Let's do it. <laughs> I'll read the main. <laughs> I, I will read the remainder of the picks. At 26, the Denver Broncos take Osiris Torrance, interior offensive lineman from Florida. The Cincinnati Bengals at 27 take Darnell Washington, tight end from Georgia. Mm. Rasheed Rice to the Cowboys at 28. Nice. Uh, wide receiver out of Tennessee, Jalen Hyatt, 29 to the Kansas City Chiefs. Devin it. Witherspoon, corner from Illinois to the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, Andrew go. Voorhees, interior offensive lineman at USC to the Bills at number 31. And at number 32, the Philadelphia Eagles select Jameer Gibbs, running back from Alabama. The low-hanging fruit, right? Eagles and Gibbs at the end of the first. One thing that we've uncovered recently, kind of looking at Denver, um, both for the Levy Grail and then Damian uh, recently did an updated uh, Broncos presentation during our staff meeting. And this offensive line after this year is, uh, wow. I mean, they've got some decisions to make, obviously, with Dalton Risner hitting free agency for you know his contracts expiring for the first time. Graham Glasgow, they can free up like eleven million from moving on from him. I mean, there's just not a whole lot coming back. It's going to be like Bulls, Cushenberry, Miners, Wattenberg. I mean, so this offensive line is it's going to be really flipped up, flipped upside down. I think in a lot of ways this off season, and so I think it's pretty realistic that if they like one of these offensive linemen here in the back part of the first round, they could pull the trigger there for sure. I think Torrance is – I mean, you're operating into the assumption that you're letting Reisner walk, right? Probably, or you're cutting Glasgow, which I think – I mean, one or both will probably happen. So your ideal starting five then would be Bowles, a healthy Bowles, Mm-hmm. Bring back Reisner. Yeah. Miners at center. Or, or Cushenberry. I mean, you, don't you feel like Miners is going to be penciled into a starting spot? I think so, yeah. But I think, I mean, I think he's got to earn it. Torrance so that it, right it, it, then in my mind, if you're you're drafting Torrance, you're, you're replacing Reisner with Torrance. Why is that? Because it would be Bowles, Torrance, Cushenberry, Miners, right tackle of choice. Okay, okay, so you're operating as if Lloyd Cushenberry's a starter. I mean, I'm not married to it, but I would. Do you want Quinn Miners as the starting center? I don't know if I do. At least you know what you have at center with you. What a, what a weird sidebar that we've decided to commit like five right. se- five minutes to at the end right. of the show. <laughs> How to sort out the middle three of the Broncos <laughs> into your offensive line. If well, in fact they pick 
Osiris Torrance with the 26. It's pick a, in draft. a new starting right guard for how many consecutive years? 11. Yeah, dude, it's right guard and right tackle. They've had a different primary starting right guard and right tackle since like 2011. For, t- for 10 plus years. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> like Orlando Franklin's the, the last player for Denver to start for multiple years at, at right, right tackle. tackle. And it's the same story at right guard. It's insane. I think it might have been like Eric Pierce or something was the last guy to do it. Insane. Insane. Anything else? I like these playmakers, though, man. Come on now. Dallas Cowboys getting Rasheed Rice. Jalen Hyatt to Kansas City. Jameer Gibbs to Philly. in, too. Yeah, he's in. He's in. up in the air. I know there was some NIL stuff that made it tempting for him to come back, but he's officially in. Man, all the Darnell Washington class. to the Cincinnati Bijan to Baltimore. The playmakers in the back eight were, are just absolute steals. Good value at that oh, point. Oh, man. Loved right. it. Yeah. All right. Well, good value here on Draft Dudes. Five days of football talk here. Kyle, Chris, Joe, shooting the breeze. Appreciate you guys checking out the show. Thanks for friends over at Bet Online for their continued support of the show as well. Make it a great rest of your day. We will talk with you all again tomorrow. Thanks for being here for another episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you are at it, help the dudes out by leaving a rating and review. Want more? Head over to www.thedraftnetwork.com or follow us at The Draft Network on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.